Welcome back to another episode of Two Average Husbands. I'm your host, Jake. I'm your host, Kyle. Jake, what are you drinking this week? Hey, man, uh, you know, the last couple of days have been a lot. Uh, we've had a lot of fun. Um, I'm drinking Diet Dr. Pepper this week. Uh, had, to, uh, had to cool off after a, a long couple of days there. Yeah, dude, the, uh, between the NFL draft and just having nothing to do yesterday, I also, well, I'm not drinking Diet Dr. Pepper, but, or whatever you said. I think you said Dr. Pepper. Diet anyway, Dr. Pepper. I am drinking water because I have that too. I drank too much last night. So uh, I'm going to stick with the water today and see how that goes. Yeah, man. After finishing my master's, um, I, well, almost finishing my master's, I should say, um, I got a presentation still to do. But yeah, had a few celebratory drinks here and there. You and I had some drinks yesterday when we were gaming, mm-hmm. hanging out. Mm-hmm. So. We're going to take it cool this episode. Um, that being said, thank you to anybody who tuned into our NFL draft special, our live stream that we did for the first round of the NFL draft. Kyle pushed out halfway through, but I don't blame him. It was four and a half hours long. Um, I'm so, of the official opinion that this podcast should never go longer than an hour and a half. So anything it was a, that, it was a, it was a special day, but your <laughs> wife was going out of town. So it's, it's definitely understandable to want to go spend some time with her. So I won't give you too yeah. much flack about it. Uh, that, um, I just, I just needed to stay until Dallas's first pick anyway. And that's all I really cared about, but it's still a good podcast for those that want to go take a look and listen. Yes. We had some drinks. We had a lot of guests on, we had three different people join us at various points. Mm-hmm. A couple of league mates of ours and a good friend of mine. So um, it was a great episode. Stop on our YouTube channel and check that out. But as always, the link tree will be in the description. Um, You'll be able to check it out on various platforms. And we're going to use this in place of the traditional live stream that we share on all platforms just due to it being four and a half hours of draft coverage. And if you're not into football, you're not going to want to see that. Yeah, that's fun for everybody just to go check out on YouTube. So we're going to leave it that way. But we still want to provide content for the rest of the users. So that's what we're going to do here today. Yes, sir. All right. So I guess it's my turn to go first this week, huh? I feel like I went twi- or first twice. So yeah, it's definitely your turn. I could yeah. be wrong, but I feel like it was two times in a row. It it definitely was. So given um, there's been a lot of coverage around the NFL draft, there's been a lot of coverage around, you know, football in general recently. I wanted to ask you kind of what your, what would you say are like your three favorite sports and what kind of got you into those sports? So how did you come to like those, you know, those sports that you do enjoy watching? Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think, dude, I might only be able to give you two because I don't really pay that much attention to anything besides the two sports that are probably the most obvious. Even if it's just like playing the sport, like it's a sport that you enjoy, like just doing, whether that's like, you know, playing tennis with your wife or something like that. We don't nothing, that. nothing. So, okay, I've got, I'll give you my, uh, my number one uh, is is obviously football now. So I wasn't, always a number one football person I kind of just passively was a fan I didn't play any sports in high school and we could talk about that all we want on a different pod but I was not a sports guy in high school I just worked Uh, so uh, because of that I didn't really get into anything too much other than video games which is pretty obvious I guess you can call that a sport now too but uh, no the NFL specifically now has become my number one sport I play fantasy with you in like four fucking leagues now so fantasy helped to wrap me back into the NFL even more. Uh, so, you know, just outside of what I was doing previous to that, which was just watching Dallas Cowboys football, uh, big Dallas fan uh, have been forever. The reason for that, which is a little strange, so I can go into that um, is because my f- parents actually met in Dallas uh, and my oldest brother was born there before they decided to move back home to 
where they, well, my mom was from Iowa. So they moved back to my mom's uh, hometown and then uh, decided to stay there for the rest of the children. But because of that Dallas fandom, if you will, came back with my dad and then uh, was pushed on to me. So that's why I am a Cowboys fan and a football fan in general. I like it. Yeah. For me, as much as I talk about football, as much as I love football, I think that's more just so because we, we do have that connection there playing fantasy together. And, um, you know, it's a sport that doesn't take as much interest as my number one sport takes. Um, my number one sport is definitely baseball. I think that's pretty clear for anybody who's known me. Um, if you watch our podcast, you know that I've got my, you know, my glove in the background. I've got the flag from, you know, my senior day in high school in the background as well. So um, baseball is a sport. Um, I don't know why I fell in love with it, to be honest with you. Like neither of my, my mom played softball in high school, but she ran track in college. My dad was pretty much always like a cross country and golfer. So he never played baseball or anything like that. I don't know. I just, I, I played it and I fell in love with it. You know, I played from the time I was four years old. Um, I played like one year of T-ball, went straight into, you know, playing against other kids that, you know, then basically played up until college when it, you know, it came down to this, the decision of, do I try and play through, you know, these injuries that I keep getting, or do I just focus on school and go to work? Um, and that's ultimately what I chose was, you know, I had to make money. I had to pay for school. So that kind of took precedence for me. Um, but I, I love the game of baseball. I love everything that goes into it. I love watching it. I'm watching it right now on my second monitor. The Cubs just lost. So that's fucking great. Um, ah. It happens. Um, I wasn't expecting much out of this season anyway, but you know, baseball is a sport that there's, you know, I, I think it's the hardest sport to play in the entire world at a, at a high level. Um, and I just love the game in general, man. It's just something I don't, again, I don't know what it is about it. It's just, I've always loved it. Yeah. I, so I can roll that into my second one, which my second sport is baseball. Uh, I grew up more of a baseball fan than I ever did a football fan. So I did the T-ball thing and then I did uh, whatever the fuck you call it after that, where you're like just the youth baseball league or whatever. I played baseball for a little bit growing up before I, completely stopped doing sports. So I think I, I did baseball up until up until I did Pop Warner football. So I probably played baseball until like fourth grade. And then I did the Pop Warner football from or in fifth and sixth grade. And then uh, the only sport that I did in middle school was track. And then after that, it was nothing. So for me, I grew up a baseball person. My aunt is a die hard Cardinals fan. And because of that, from? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, nobody else in my family gives a shit about baseball except for my aunt. I and mean, she is like the master manipulator of converting people into Cardinals fans. Uh, so she got me to be a Cardinals fan young and I've always been a Cardinals fan. Um, again, baseball now for me is more of a passive interest. I love going to baseball games. I like going to, um, I don't even know what the division is that whatever, like the, I don't even know how to describe it, but the blue Wahoos in Pensacola, like I love going to their games uh, and I'm trying to think of what the team is here in Arizona. I haven't actually been to one of their games yet. And I, I wanted to last year, but COVID kind of Pensacola stopped that. So. Blue Wahoos. I, they're minor league. Uh, they're double a. So, you know, okay. just minor league baseball. Yep. And then I'm going to blank super hard on what the team is from in Waterloo, Iowa. And you can look that up while I'm talking, but I used to love going to their games because they had the college beer section. So we would go out there and it was all you can drink plus all you could eat for like $20. So we would sit there and just get hammered and eat hot dogs and burgers because that's all they had for food, but plenty uh, of that. So was it the Waterloo Bucks? Bucks, yep, yep. 
Yeah, they're in the Northwoods League, which is a it's a college wood bat league, if I remember yeah. correctly. I got a few buddies who've played and coached in that league. So I um, love going to those games. Um, and then that rolled into Cardinals fandom too. And be, being from the Midwest, right? It was a, wasn't too bad of a drive. We would just drive over to St. Louis, stay in a hotel for a weekend. I'd go to St. Louis games. I still have to go to Wrigley, even though I'm not a Cubs fan. That's like one of my must-do bucket list items is I need to go watch a game at Wrigley. Uh hopefully sooner than later uh, once COVID starts to get better, but yeah, man, once kinda... we, uh, once we can get you and Carly up here, as opposed to us coming down there, yeah, we'll definitely yeah. hit up a Cubs game. I love we'll it. I love going to Wrigley, sure. man. It's, yeah, I'd love to go. The, the trip into Wrigley sucks because I hate the city. Um, I hate driving in the city, I should say. Um, but if you take, you know, the trains in, if you take the, you know, you can take the Metro in, you can take a train, you can take a Metro in and you, uh, you land at Ogilvy station, Chicago, there's these shuttle buses. Yeah. Um, it's $10. It's about a 20, 25 minute drive. It's $10, but you can drink all that you want in the shuttle. Yeah. So me being me, I just gorge myself on like five beers in 25 minutes and just walk out of the truck yeah. loaded out of my mind, but I don't have to go to Wrigley and spend 12 bucks on a beer. Yeah. Um, and then Dude, and I got to think of what it's called. Dude, I don't know why my brain's just failing today. I think I drank too much yesterday, but the bar that's right outside of Bush stadium now, new Bush is, um, Dude, I'm going to hate myself for not being able to think of this either, but it's like a three-story bar that looks into the field. So you can go over there and the drinks are not cheap even there, uh, but you can go over there, go up to the third floor and just sit on the balcony and drink and watch warmups from the bar, which is fucking awesome. Uh, so I love Bush Stadium. I got the pleasure of going to Old Bush uh, a couple of times when I was younger and I love going to New Bush Stadium as well. Um, but yeah, we've, last time we went, that's Carly took me there for a birthday present, like shit dude i don't know i think i was turning 22 so it's been like five years since i've been to bush stadium um but yeah we had a great time going out there it's more than i could say i've never been there so even though even though it's like the closest you know so obviously i've been to like i've been to wrigley i went to uh the u.s cellular i was i've been at comiskey when it was still around um been up to i think it's called like american family field now used to be miller park up in milwaukee and then i've been to like the stadium out in tampa i've been to um New York, I've been to Yankee Stadium, I've been to Fenway, I've been to the Blue Jays Stadium. So I've been to quite a few places, but like Bush is the one that's just super close, not super close. It's like a three or four hour drive still, but I've just never been there for whatever reason. Um, But yeah, I've always, I've heard great things about it. You know, um, some baseball players, Chris Bryant would tell you that St. Louis is boring. Um, I love St. Louis. My parents made a whole week long vacation out of going to St. Louis one time. So I'll, I'll believe that there's more to it than the, uh, the baseball players too. When they go there, they sit in their hotel, play their game, go to dinner, go to bed. So, I mean, understandably it could seem a little boring. Well, dude, that's what you do when you go to, when you live in the Midwest too, right? Like Chicago for me and St. Louis were vacation spots growing up in Kansas city. Like those were the vacations that I got to go to. And so I have, not so much Kansas city. We went there when I was way younger, but St. Louis and Chicago, I have a lot of fucking awesome memories from both of those places and nostalgia for going there all the time. Like I love visiting those two cities. Yeah, man, they're great. Um, moving on to go to my second topic. It's the, it's the, you know, inverse of yours. Football's number two for me. Um, football is a sport that uh, kind of like, you know, football for you. I never really, I never played it a ton. I played, like my seventh and eighth grade year. And then I think I, I like tried out for football my freshman year. And I don't even think I went to an actual practice. Like I just wasn't one, it wasn't fun because I was a bigger kid. So I just got to play offensive line. And by the time that 
high school actually hit. I wasn't big enough to play offensive line against like real offensive lineman sized dudes. Yeah. Um, Cause I went from being, you know, I was tall. I grew, I shot up to my current height, like about five, nine, five, 10, when I was like 13 or 14 years old, but I was also like 150 pounds at the time. So, <laughs> you know, once you get to high school and even the, the freshman defensive linemen are 215 pounds, you're like, yeah. all right, well, this ain't it chief. Um, and I wasn't super, yeah. I'm not a super fast guy. I never had experience playing receiver skill position. So I never got a huge chance there though. Did catch a touchdown playing left guard in seventh <laughs> grade. That's a, I think I've heard this story before. You probably have. It was a pole play. It got tipped. And once it, once anybody touches the ball, offensive linemen cannot touch the ball unless they, um, uh, identify themselves as an eligible receiver. And typically that has to be a tackle, um, or at least lined up on the outside. So we pulled as the guard, I hit, I hit my block and then I moved forward. The, it was supposed to be a screen pass to our tight end and he tipped it and I saw it and I just caught it like a little baby and just rolled on the ball and it was a touchdown. So that was cool. But for me, football is just a super interesting sport. You know, there's always kind of something to keep you entertained. Plus when you look at, you know, the fantasy aspect of it, I obviously love fantasy football. I love college football. I love watching even just high school football. Like it's just such a cool game. There's so much cool about it. Um, a game that I haven't seen much in person, admittedly. Um, I've been to a bunch of college football games, but I've only been to one Bears game in my life and one Packers game in my life. And that's really it. And I don't even count the Packers game as like a true football experience because we were in a, a company booth. We were in like inside one of the, you know, the uh, I don't know the proper term for them. Booth. It's not booth. It's like like suites. One of the yeah. Like, yeah. We were in one of the suites um, for my it's dad's company. Yeah. yeah, one of them for my dad's company. So it was like not really football because everybody outside is in like two, like two degree weather, and we're just like sitting in there in like t shirts and shorts, like in the heat with free food and all that you can drink, which yep. is great when you're like 11 years old and you can oh, have yeah. as much Mountain Dew like as a you fucking want. Baller. <laughs> Yeah, man. It's just a great sport. I, I love everything about it. And, you know, if it weren't for my passion of baseball, you know, and me being like a lifelong baseball guy, you know, football would be probably number one for me, but they're, they're both pretty close there. Yeah. You said, uh, you said, I'm going to go on to my second topic and it really threw me off because then you started talking about oh, your second sport. And I was like, my oh, second okay, sport. Makes so much more sense. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't going into a third for me would be really tough. Cause I just don't, I don't care that much about really any other sport. Uh, I passively play, I guess, it, yeah, really, like, unless you're considering esports, there isn't anything that I actively do all the time. Like, I've played golf. I wouldn't say it's my, like, a favorite sport of mine. I just do it for the drinking. Um, like, Carly and I like to go ride bikes, but that's not really a sport. It's more of just kind of like a hobby, you know? So, they're like, there really isn't anything for me that's, other than maybe, like, if you consider weightlifting a hobby or a sport, like, that's something that I like to do myself even though I go through like these massive waves of like work out all the time, don't work out at all, work out all the time, don't work out at all, you know, but um, yeah, I don't really have a third to kind of tap into to be fair, you know, completely honest. Yeah. For me, third now is probably golf. I've really gotten into yeah. golf over the past like two or three years. I played a bunch in high school. Um, and again, it's another sport that I think is just, it's a really hard sport to do well, which is why I like it. I like anything that gives me a challenge. Yeah. Um, but if I was, if the, we were talking more like when I was growing up, it's probably hockey. I'm a huge, I, I do really enjoy hockey even to this day, but you know, being a Chicago guy, when the Blackhawks were on that amazing run from like 2010 to 2016, like I watched probably every game I played every NHL video game. Like I was super into it, but for me, hockey, because it's not a super accessible sport, I, I never, 
I played a little hockey growing up, but it was so expensive that it was like, do you want to play hockey or do you want to like play travel baseball? You can play like two months of hockey or you can like play baseball year round. And I was like, oh, well, I wonder what I'm choosing. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a great sport and it's really fun to watch, but there is such like a, I think more than any other sport hockey, because of like the way that the rules are, it's like so confusing for people who aren't hockey fans to get some of it. But it is the only professional sport that allows fighting besides like MMA. So there you yeah. go. That's actually, now that I think about it, that might be the, the sport that I watch the most as like my third sport is probably mixed martial arts. I watch UFC fights all the time. Oh my God, the knockout the other night, spinning elbow to knock out a guy that I am not even going to say his name because I don't like him, but it was a great fight. They, they were brawling and bro just... 360 elbows the dude right in the face knocks him out it was sick but yeah you know sports aren't you know sports in itself aren't everything um and aren't always going to be everybody's you know big thing like a lot of people love basketball i like playing basketball i don't like watching basketball soccer's the same way i watch i watch some here or there uh that one's one i don't like playing too much running for uh for little old jakey here but <laughs> You know, man, sports are fun. They're a great way. They're a great way to spend your day, especially as adults. Um, you know, like going to a Cubs game, going to a Cardinals game, going to a, a kickball. Yeah. Cup in hand kickball. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, you know, there's, there's always fun ways to make it, you know, enjoyable, even if it's not, you know, the most enjoyable sport to you. Yeah. Like I said, all those things, like I don't actively watch anything besides football now, like baseball. I will watch in person. I don't watch games on TV. Um, and I don't watch any of the other things that I'm even partially interested in. Ballpark Village is the name of the bar outside of the Bush Stadium, by the way. I just looked That's, it up. Just yeah, so I was looking it up too, and I was like, which one is it? Is it Patios? Yeah, is it no. the Brew House? Nice. It's dope. You want to, hey, as a reminder, though, everybody, even though video games is not an outside sport, it's still dangerous. <laughs> Oakland, Oakland Athletics left-hander Jesus Lazardo broke his pinky from hitting his desk today before his start and will now what an like idiot. four to six weeks so oh that's hilarious if you're gonna punch your desk do it like i do don't do it too hard i'm just saying <laughs> all right kyle what do you got for us what's your topic um okay so really quick just to, this isn't a full topic but just to tag on to the end of this conversation because somebody asked me at work the other day and i thought it was an interesting conversation but he was like uh the guy that i work with he likes to, he kind of gets introspective about a lot of things but he asked me he's like do you think in our lifetimes one of the major sports that is currently, you know, one of the major popular sports uh, across the world is going to go away. Yes. And then he said, if you believe that that's true, what do you think it's going to be? What is the sport that goes away in our lifetime? Boxing. You think boxing does? Yeah. Box so boxing, obviously, like there's still a ton of money to be made in it. Like there's still people all around the world who appreciate it. I just think with but again, it's a sport that's becoming less and less accessible to people who want to watch it. Like you can't, I, I, maybe you can, I have never seen a boxing match in my life because I don't want to, I don't want to spend the money on it. Like to do yeah. to, for pay-per-view for a boxing match, like not like boxing, obviously it's a super technical sport, but I'd rather watch, like, I'm more intrigued on what fight like and that's why I like mma is it's a sport that encompasses everything. I don't like to see guys who are one dimensional, like boxers box in the ring. Yeah. They're not like, and because boxing is stemmed often to so many other sports, you see kickboxing, which is becoming more and more popular. You see, yeah. you know, more different MMA leagues besides just the UFC popping up. Like 
boxing is getting to a and now all we see when it comes to boxing anymore especially like anybody who's like on social media frequently you just hear about like youtubers who are are boxing each other or like you know youtubers are like challenging professional fighters but they're picking guys who they know that aren't going to put up a fight because they're professional mma they're you know like the ben Askren jake paul fight like ben Askren's not known as a striker anybody who has watched two ufc fights of his can tell you the man barely knows how to throw a punch he, he's made his living off of being a wrestler he was an olympic wrestler he was just able to kind of you know translate some of that success to the to uh you know mma and i think boxing is just a sport that's kind of like it's alienating its young audience where there's like outside of youtubers there's like maybe two young guys who are keeping it popular yeah that's the only sport that i can really see though i think like there's the argument that like baseball's dying, but I don't like that's the, the, the fandom is still there. The numbers are still there. Like they're trying to, there's ways to make it more appealing to young fans and they're just not doing it because the people in charge of the MLB are the worst people in charge of any sport out there. And I will say that wholeheartedly MLB, give me a job. I'll fix the league in five years. I'm just saying marketing. (laughs) I got a marketing degree. I know what I'm doing. You guys don't. Um, I'm sure they have plenty of people with marketing degrees there. They probably just still but aren't all doing anything. Fucking idiots. Um, but yeah, like football is not going away. Basketball is probably more popular than ever right now. I would think, yep, especially globally. Yeah, you're not going to see soccer go away. You're not going to see hockey's never going away. You know. See, that's one of the things when somebody asked this question, my answer was just no. I, I honestly do not think in our lifetime that any of these major sports goes away completely. I think you're going to get down to probably like you. I didn't even think of boxing at the time, but that's a good one to bring up. Uh, I think you're probably going to see a dwindling fandom over time that for that, other than kind of like your, um, you know, your fucking TikTok YouTubers that are somehow getting into boxing and making that a little bit popular again, like your Logan Paul nonsense or Jake Paul, whatever the fuck one does it. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think, like you said, basketball is globally more popular than ever. Soccer is globally popular and will be forever. And it's such an accessible sport too. Like soccer yeah. is like, um, you need a ball. Like we used to do it in our, at our playground in like elementary school. And we would just be like, all right, if you kick it between that bush and that tree, that's a goal. Like you don't need, and and that's where you, I, you could probably make that argument that a sport like hockey is going to dwindle away because you do need such expensive equipment to do it. And I would say golf, but golf can be done very cheaply. Baseball is the same way it can be done very cheap, but like you can't cheap out on hockey gear. Like yeah. skates are expensive. Pads are expensive. Sticks are expensive, especially if you break them frequently. Yep. Like, you know, it's I just, I just don't see any of these sports completely dissolving in my lifetime. And he's like, yeah. dude, do you realize your lifetime is like 80 more years, which more like probably like 60, but anyway, it's like, I think you have to think about that. Although that, that is a long period of time, like 60, 70 years, right? It's still a long period of time. I just don't think any of these are going to completely disappear because there's such a fan base, even in, like younger fan bases for some of these sports. So I think it's going to hold out longer than I'm alive. Um, I think, like you said, the one that that was brought up the most amongst us in the office when we were talking was baseball. And like you said, it's kind of like, I think most people are not you. They're probably more like me where they like to go in person, enjoy a baseball game. They're not going to sit there and be completely invested in it. And so I think you're probably going to see more of that over time, which might hurt their revenue, but I don't think baseball goes away completely either. But even that, I like, I don't really see it hurting revenue that much. Like if you look at like, at least for, for most teams, like even if they were to like have dwindling interest and remove some of the teams, 
Chicago teams are always going to be popular. New York teams are always going to be popular. Florida teams are always going to be popular. LA teams are always going to be popular. You can find fans. There's baseball fans all around the country. It's about picking your markets and targeting them well. And that's where MLB specifically has failed is they pick bad markets and they allow ownership groups in who are not willing to spend money to make the sport better. Like yeah. when, and it, the, the continued choice, I could do a whole episode on what the MLB does wrong, but like they continue to make choices like removing minor league baseball teams and paying minor league baseball players such an unlivable wage that you're removing potential, potentially uber talented players from even having a chance. Like I had friends who were some of the best baseball players that I've ever played with. And I have played with and against current professional baseball players. And these guys were better than some of them. And they're just completely removed because of the fact that they're not coming from money. Their families didn't have a ton of money. And if they weren't going to be like a top five round draft pick, they're barely getting enough money to survive through the minor leagues. You hear stories like there's a guy, Eric Sim, the king of junior college, as he calls himself, the king of Juco, who is, you know, he's building uh, popularity on, on social media now. But he talks about how he played minor league baseball for like five or six years and made $11,000. Yeah. Like it's just a completely unlivable wage. And if you continue to do things like that, like you are going to decrease interest in your sport and you're going to have to, you know, find ways to make up for that over time. That was one of the crazy things that I didn't realize about like Bucks baseball when I was growing up. Cause I'd go to those games is that like all of those players would come from different parts of the, of the United States and they would have to live in other people's houses. Yeah. Because well, that... they didn't have like jobs or money. And so they had to have like part-time jobs while they're doing Bucks baseball and living in somebody else's house. That was just like a fan that let them live there. It was well, crazy. And that's like, that's another thing is like that happened for that. That's a college league. So those guys aren't getting paid for that anyway. They're, they're getting paid in that they get to live there. And I think there's some food and like equipment and stuff that's provided, but like that shit happens even at like AAA. Like when yeah. you're getting to the highest level, like guys who could be called up to the majors any day, it's the same stuff. Like they're living in people's houses. Like <laughs> they're just bill and nancy down the road decided hey we'll yeah. take in a couple baseball players there's a person that i work with who had two independent league baseball players who lived with her like it's it's crazy yeah. and just like but that's how it has to be because these guys can't sign long leases because they could be moved to any of the other minor league affiliates at any time and even if they do sign leases at places they're shoving six dudes into a in a, a four-bedroom apartment two guys are sharing rooms or you have a guy living in the living room and you have you know even then you're getting maybe a thousand dollars a month. Right. So you guys are splitting rent four ways. The only way you can afford to eat is by taking home shitty food after the games. Like it's just not making baseball. It's not giving baseball a proper pipeline. Like college baseball is not, you can't go from college baseball right to the majors. Like you can college football or college basketball, right sure. to the pros. So in, and even in college programs, they make so much money going to the university of Alabama and playing college football there is probably the best four years of your life. You never have to worry about food. You never have to worry about having somewhere to train. They're always, you know, especially if you're on scholarship, you're going to school for free. You're living for free. Like you, if you're on scholarship and there's so many scholarships at that level, you, there's nearly 60 dudes. You don't have to worry about a thing. Whereas if you're on college baseball, I'm a broken finger away from missing six weeks. And maybe I don't get recruited or scouted because of that. And mm -hmm. there's guys, you know, there's horror stories about it. So, you know, I definitely could see, you know, where people are coming from with baseball. Like, I don't want to say like being at risk, but like being a more likely sport to fall off the face of the earth. Yeah, dude, I think like you said, I mean, it, there's a lot of things that lead up to the inaccessibility of that sport that could eventually be definitely an issue and a bottleneck to try to get people into it. 
but I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was an interesting conversation that we had the other day uh, and it kind of coincided with what you were already uh, driving towards. Uh, so the next one or the first topic for me, I'm going to dabble into the finance world in this one. And I want to, I'll start off by asking a question then we can both talk about why I, based on your response, why I brought this up. But my question is, do you shop with a debit card? Not much anymore. Um, I used to, and I realized that there's little to no benefit for it. The, I, so my reasoning for it was I got my debit card when I was really young. Um, be, or I guess not really young. I was like 15 or 16 when I got my first job. And so I got it. But then I, you know, ever since I basically like hit adulthood, I basically used a credit card for everything. Yeah. The funny thing about it is right. Like, and you, you kind of hit the, the initial point of my bringing this up as a conversation piece is that like a debit card doesn't benefit anybody at all. Yeah. Like your financial institution, maybe if you're doing, if you're overdrafting on your own account and they're getting overdraft fees from you, like that's a direct benefit to them maybe, but in no other way does a debit card benefit anybody at all. I can think of one way, one way that it benefits you. And that's simply it doesn't give you a false sense of security with how much money that you have because you're not dealing with like, I, I can tell you when I got my first credit card, my brain was like, I'm approved for $1,500. That means I can spend $1,500, even though in reality I couldn't because I didn't have the money to pay that. Dude, that's a fail on education though. Like that's a yeah. fail in like public education and teaching people like financial responsibility. So I'm not going to even like consider that as a, as a down or, you know, a benefit of the debit card system. Cause even then, like you get a piece of plastic that's a debit card, right? And you, some people will go out there with the same mentality and blow just as much money on a debit card. Yeah, you hit and overdraft X, the piss out of their account, right? You hit you know X I mean? for credit. Yeah, dude. And it's, so you could have the same problem there. So I, I'd kind of consider that either net neutral or just, you know, kind of irrelevant. Yeah. Like at worst, need at, to be educated. at best, it's, it's an argument to be made. Um, but again, as I think as you're pointing out, that's just like a fail of the, the public education system. Um, yeah. my high school, you know, I was lucky enough that we did have an economics course and they probably did teach us about that, but I didn't, I don't think I paid attention to that portion. Um, yep. but like I, that's one benefit that I did have, um, for my high school is we had a course where we learned how to trade on the stock market and we learned how to keep a checkbook and we learned how to do our taxes. Like it, it, we were learning these things, but I know where you're going with this. And so I'll let you bring up kind of, I think the point that you're going to make about credit cards. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing that people need to realize, and, and like I said, like the main point of bringing this up is that a credit card isn't that much different than a debit card with the exception of the fact that it's not tied directly to your bank account typically, which means you're not withdrawing money straight from your balance. But with that being said, you're making some sort of a deal with a credit institution, right? That is willing to stake you a certain amount of money. Uh, like you said, maybe you have a you know, a, a limit on your credit of $1,500 or whatever it is. And that usually uh, over time can be increased. And that also will be increased based on your income typically. But financial institutions like that, like credit card institutions make their money off of interest. And because of that, they want you to have their card. And so typically some, all institutions for the most part are going to offer you some sort of direct benefit for going to their card because they want your business. They want to be able to use your credit to, to make that interest, right? And continue to make money. Uh, the one thing that I will say is like uh, direct associated credit cards to your bank account are typically not good. So the credit, with the exception of you're building credit at that point. So like a debit card, you're not gonna mm -hmm. be building credit, but you right. will with a credit card, whether it has benefits or not. So, I mean, there's already the draw, right? So like, am I gonna get a debit card through my bank or am I gonna get a credit card through my bank that has absolutely no benefit to me other than credit? Mm -hmm. Still go with the credit card. 
uh, so that you can start building that credit, especially young. Like as soon as you're eligible, get a fucking credit card. Uh, just well, so you start building or you, your credit score, right, is dependent on a lot of things. But one of them is like the length of the account, too. So you need to have some sort of a credit building when you're younger. Um, but the point is, uh, in all of this, is that credit cards want you to come and get their car, or credit card companies want you to get their card because they want your business, right? And so because of that, they're going to offer you a massive range of benefits that you are missing out on if you're using either a like a in credit card that has no benefit or a bank credit card or whatever, or a debit card. And so you can speak your piece here since I've been talking for a minute, but then I'm going to go into some of these ones that I would recommend and we can talk about the good, good credit cards that are out there. Uh, by the way, let's preface this all with, we are not financial advisors. Um, I have not, yeah. I, I've taken the class. I haven't taken the test. Um, we are not financial <laughs> advisors, but also you have to consider too, like you're saying, there's added benefits to a lot of credit cards that are out there. You, whether that's cash back, you know, you know, that's something that you have to consider, especially with like, you know, you're saying some that aren't necessarily tied to your bank, but like I have a chase credit card and I'll get, if I check the chase app, there's random benefits that'll pop up to me. Like right now, if I go to AT&T and sign up for, uh, for an account and use my credit card on that account, I get $45 in cash back right there. That's basically a month of, you know, my phone line paid for, you know, I get random boosts of extra cash back, but, and that's another thing that kind of goes into picking out a credit card is like, I have two credit, uh, I have three credit cards. I have one for Best Buy. I only use it at Best Buy. It's like the only it's, and that's just because I needed, I wanted to finance my MacBook. I wanted the 18 month, no interest financing. Cause why, the same thing why you would you not, book. why would you not do that? If you're going to make the payments and you're going to so be smart about it. I'll why? make, I'll make the argument there of the reason why I would say, don't do that. Don't just get store credit cards. Every time you go somewhere is because yeah. eventually it is going to take a hit on your credit. Yes. So, like that I said, was, part that of was the, like my first credit card though. Okay. That was the first one that I signed up for. That, so I didn't fair. even have I, a huge limit on it. I would just recommend not doing that on a regular basis. Again, Correct. I'm not a financial advisor, but as soon as you start Correct. opening new accounts, the average. Um, yeah. Hard hits on your credit are a thing you want to avoid if you're not aware of that. Well, not only just a hard hit on your credit, but in addition to that, the average age of your accounts goes into your credit score. So if you have a bunch of accounts that have just recently established, yeah, yes. it's going to uh, knock your credit score. Yeah. Um, but then. So besides the Best Buy card, which is only used at Best Buy, only for you know high value items because of that, that interest-free financing that they give or the cashback rewards if you want those as well there. But I have two credit cards. I have my Chase credit card. I have my Costco credit card. My Costco credit card gets used at Costco and it gets used at uh, for any like travel-related expenses. I use that. If I'm buying groceries pretty much anywhere else, I use my Chase credit card. And that's because of how the cashback is set up on both of those cards. I get more cash back from using one of those cards at a location versus using the other card. With the Costco credit card, let me pull up the actual, um, uh, the percentages here, um, but I believe it's, yeah. So with, at Costco, any purchase I make at Costco and Costco.com, I get 2% cash back. I get 3% at restaurants and eligible travel and 4% cash back on gas. Whereas with my Chase credit card, I get not that much. Um, which card do I have? I have this one. So I get 5% cash back on travel purchased through Chase. I get 3% on dining. So this card is more beneficial to, or just as beneficial to use it at restaurants, I believe. Yeah. So it's the same at restaurants, but it's, a, it's one and a half percent on all other purchases. So if I make just random purchases, I get more cash back with my Chase card than I get with my Costco card. 
And so it's all about balancing that out. And with the Costco membership that I have too, that's another thing we could probably talk about is like when memberships are worth it or not. My Costco membership has paid for itself for last year and this year. And I'm not even a full year into having my membership just from the cash back that I'm getting on stuff that I would be purchasing anyway. I've never walked into a Costco and bought something that I wouldn't buy elsewhere. I'm just buying it in a larger amount. I can yeah. get my dog food there. I can get energy drinks that I, that I sip on. I get meat there. Like there's certain things that I go to certain stores for. And even just buying that stuff, my Costco card has paid for itself. There's a lot of things that I really like about Costco, but I honestly don't think my membership is worth it there because we go like once, maybe every six months. Okay. Uh, yeah. In your like case. Necessity yeah. Shit. And it's for me, it's, it's probably not worth it, but yeah, that, you're right. That's probably another topic. Uh, and I, I do want to touch on the fact that you mentioned like having a chase card, right. Which is tied to your financial institution, which is a good thing. And I just wanted to clarify what I was saying. And I, I mean like a local financial institution, right? So gotcha. like, it's like a my bank union. is still at a, my main bank, even though I don't live there anymore, is still a credit union in Iowa. Right. And if I get anything through them, it's absolutely no benefit at all, which is yep. why like I need to get out of that financial institution. And I've been saying that I'm going to do it forever. I just have a million auto pay things set up that I don't want to fucking change because I'm late. Hey, uh, if you go, if you go to some of these banks, they will do it for you. Yeah. And I am going to change my stuff eventually. So, cause I, and honestly too, like my, my credit union has a terrible interest rate on my accounts too. And now that I'm saving more money, like I need to find a place that's going to give me more of a benefit there. And that's a whole different topic of conversation, but I just want to talk about a couple of these, uh, as a part of my topic, the ones that I would hundred percent recommend going to, um, even though I'm not a financial advisor. <laughs> so the, the thing that you need to be paying attention to, right, is you need to pay attention to interest rates and you need to pay attention to annual fees when you're looking at credit cards and on top of the benefits, right? And so sign up bonuses. Yes, that too, um, which I would say, so credit card benefits, right, is like a lump thing. And then you need Fee to look transfers. at cost versus benefits, right? Um, and the thing is, <clears throat> with a lot of these cards, if you pay enough attention to them, you need to, you can recognize that even an annual fee, if you have to pay for one, might be worth it. So the thing that I don't like, um, or the thing that drove me to get some of the credit cards that I got was the, the benefits versus the annual fees. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing that I do with my cards, right, is like I use them as like the same thing as a debit card in my mind, right, where I, I won't spend money on a credit card that I don't have. I don't charge right. something on a credit card that I can't pay back immediately. Same. Because I don't, I don't let a financial institution take interest off of me. I just pay things off right away. So I'm going to mention the first one that I have, and I think everybody should have, and that's the Amex Platinum card. Um, and I say that because, and people will probably be deterred because it's a $550 annual fee, which seems like a lot, but you have to look into the benefits to understand why that that's not a big issue. Uh, so the big thing is, is they have a huge welcome offer, which is 75,000 points if you spend $5,000 in the first six months, which might seem like a lot. But what I try to do is if I'm going to get a new credit card, I just time it up with me spending a lot of money on something. Like if I'm going to take a big vacation or something like that, I'll try to get a lot of that uh, taken away uh, or knocked away through a vacation, right? But the big thing with the platinum card that you have to pay attention to um, is that uh, it's huge for travel. So if you're using it for travel, you get five times points and you can also get uh, 10 times points, I think as a sign-on bonus right now with them for gas stations and supermarkets, but there's a lot of great benefits there. But the big thing that you need to look into is their actual uh, benefits that you get through just directly through the card for no extra cost to you, which is you get, it's, like I said, this one's really good for travel. So if you're a traveler, you can get fine hotels and resorts for free, hotel collection for free, which gives you typically like $100 at like an on-site hotel or resort. And you get their platinum travel service is okay. Uh, I don't, I have a love-hate relationship with it. It depends on where you have to just 
I use it as a cross check for me and I, I use it sometimes and then other times I'll just book directly through places, but you get Hilton honors gold, Marriott Bonvoy gold. You get $200 in Uber credits a year, a hundred dollars at Saks every single year. Don't you get, get TSA pre-check as part of that one too? You get TSA pre-check. You get access to all airport lounges or almost all airport lounges. You get rental car benefits. You get baggage insurance. There is just so much shit that you're getting through this card. That is if, like I said, I caveat that with this one, typically I would say is better if you're a traveler. Um, and it's hundred percent worth paying that $550 a year just to have all of the benefits. And especially like if you're, if you like to Uber a lot there and you can use it on Uber eats or whatever, but you get $200 a year in your credits. It's 10, $15 a month plus $20 in December. But uh, that's a huge one. The one that I don't have yet that I've been looking at, and I'm, I keep trying to convince myself to do it is the chase Sapphire reserve card <clears throat> because they have, a lot of the same benefits as the Amex Platinum. So you can actually double down on those benefits if you have both cards. Plus you can get, uh, they have a better point system, I think. So you get three, three times points at like all restaurants, three times points on travel. Um, you can get a $300 annual travel credit, which there is also a, uh, I think it's $100 through Amex if I remember, if I remember right. You're right. Then you get Lyft points uh, as opposed to Uber. Then you get priority pass, which is also a thing through Amex. But then, you know, it, this one's also a $550 fee, but there's just tons and tons and tons and tons of benefits. Mm-hmm. To you. Uh, and then the final one that I'll hit on before I let Jake finally talk, since I've been talking to you guys' ears off, is the uh, the Amazon Prime card. So this is the one where a lot of people are already paying for Prime and don't realize that they can get this with no annual credit fee whatsoever. It's just a part of your membership. And if you sign up for it through Amazon, you also get a $70 gift card through Amazon. So when I got this card back when I was in college, I timed it up with the, when, I, uh, when I wanted to buy a new Xbox when the Xbox One came out and I just got $70 off my Xbox One that I ordered through Amazon. And oh, by the way, when I did that, you also get 5% or um, five times points through Amazon. Plus you can get two times points at uh, gas stations as well. So everything else is just 1%. So I wouldn't recommend this as like your use it on everything card. Uh, but if you're using, if you're shopping on Amazon, you should absolutely have this card if you have prime. Well, and so I don't have this card, um, but this is something that I have been looking into as well. Um, if you're curious about it and you already have an Amazon account, if you go on the Amazon website and those on the bar up the top, there's a little thing that says no annual fee. If you yep. click on that, it'll take you to the credit card. If I had a Amazon credit card over the past year. I don't know if this is speak. I'm assuming this is going to speak last calendar year. So probably till last May, I would have earned $294 and 50 cents in cash back. So, you know, that's that alone is, and and with no annual fee. And like you're saying, you know, 5% back every time I buy something on Amazon, my wife and I use Amazon all the time, you know, 2% at restaurants, gas stations, and drugstores. I, again, even though that is a benefit to it, I may get better at certain times with one card. I may get, you know, yep. better w- with another card. And that's, that, have is, options. that is one benefit to having, you know, some options when it comes to your credit cards is you have different ones that you can choose at different times, you know, use different ones for different things, but also, you know, past all that there's promotions that these, these banks will run where, you know, um, it can be too, where it's like referral bonuses. So if you come to a bank and you have mm. people, Love referral bonuses. If you refer people to that bank or to that to sign up for that credit card, you get a bonus with it, and they get a bonus with it. If you, um, some of them will do that, like that thing that Kyle's talking about, where it's like if you spend X amount of money up front. For some of them, it just looks at the actual balance of your card, and it doesn't actually take into account how that balance got there. If you, if it's through a, a bank that allows it, you can do what's called a balance transfer, where you take your your balance of one credit card and move it to another. 
And if it's not charging fees on it, some of the banks also count that towards your spending. So if you already have a, you shouldn't, but if you have like a five or $6,000 balance on your credit card, you can move that over to your new credit card and then pay that off. And then let's say get, if you have a five or $6,000 balance on your credit card, you should not be opening new credit cards. But I, I'm also not a financial advisor. <laughs> I agree. But if it, it's, it's something to look into, if that is, you know, if you have the means to be spending five or $6,000 at a time, and because you're, and you're spending that on your credit card, because, you know, you can pay it off right away. You know, like I'll put my, I, I I'll do it. I put $3,000 on my credit card when I put a down payment on my car. That's what and I'm going to try to line it. my, when I get the Sapphire card, I'm trying to line that up with when I get a new car. Yeah. And I immediately paid it off. It was just, yeah. that was just the, and I get cash back for that $3,000. Yep. So, you know, there's, there's, there's definite benefits to it. There's definite drawbacks to, to credit cards as well that everybody should consider. If you consider, consider yourself to be a compulsory spender, um, where if you don't see an actual limit and you don't think about it, you're, you're spending, spending, spending. There's a ton of people out there who make that mistake. Um, if you don't have, you know, if you don't, if you lack the self-control yep. of it, and if you don't have the, the means to constantly be paying it off, you shouldn't be spending it as we both have stated again, not financial advisors. Um, but you know, there is a lot of benefits to credit cards. And I do think, I wish I know, I realized that sooner because I probably didn't get and start regularly using a credit card. till I was like 21. Yeah. And I, I did in uh, college with the Am Amazon card, which was fine. And like, like you, we use Amazon for literally everything. So what I try to do is I just try to build that balance up over the year. And then I use that uh, over the holiday season. So I can get Christmas gifts for people that are like, I don't, I don't pay any money. I have like hundreds of dollars that I can get in gifts for people and I don't pay anything extra. It's just benefits from what I've been. And if I sign up doing. right now on for the Amazon card, I get a hundred dollar Amazon gift card if I'm approved. Oh, sweet. Okay. So it's a hundred now instead of yeah. 70, which is awesome. So maybe that's what I do when this podcast is done. I don't know. Speaking I've of the been devil, thinking about it, man. I, like I said, I'm all fucking about uh, referral bonuses, which I don't get one for Amazon, but if anybody wants a platinum card through Amex, hit me up because they have a massive fucking referral program right now where I think I get like 20,000 points for referrals, which is stupid. So is there a point system like most where it's like a hundred points is a dollar? Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like I said there, so like I, I am trying to get a different card right now, which is why I bring up the Sapphire card because of the fact that I, uh, the point system through Amex isn't that good unless you're traveling. So right. right now I use my Amex card for everything because it's the best that I have uh, available to me, but there are way better point systems out there. So I'm just bringing up a couple of these cards just because of the ones that I have, I either have now or I've been interested in. So um, do your research and there's just, oh, there's so many fucking benefits. And like the big like bottom line for me is just please, for the love of God, don't use a fucking debit card. Uh, be a responsible spender, but don't use a debit card. You're doing also, yourself a disservice. Don't sign up for a credit card at Kohl's because it's going to save you $20 on today's purchase. The long-term hit to your credit score is not worth signing up for the credit card, especially a Kohl's card that has minimal to no benefits with it. So just yeah. don't impulse sign up for a credit card, do your research on it and make sure that you are comfortable with the benefits that you're receiving from it as you should with all purchases that you make as yes. not a financial advisor. As not a financial advisor, I'm telling you all of my financial advice, but please don't do something well, that's stupid. Don't get yourself overwhelmed in, in credit, right? Like, I mean, and uh, yeah, just, I think, um, like, I, I know a lot of people that try to do that, like 0% interest for 18 months if you get the card kind of thing. Um, and I think that's not a terrible option, depending on the situation. I just, I prefer to try to avoid those types of cards. Mm -hmm. I try to put everything on a credit card that's going to give me as many points as possible and as many benefits as possible. I'd rather 
I'd rather charge. Well, first of all, again, to like my thing is I don't, I try not to spend money that I don't have. So I just, I don't try to charge a balance on a credit card that I can't immediately pay off. But with that in mind, I try to just put uh, like everything on my platinum card because I can get points for it rather than getting 0% interest. I'd rather just be able to pay a lump sum for something, pay it off and get the points immediately, then pay 0% interest over time and just not have as much of a hit to me as upfront. But there's different thought processes there. But again, that's, I'm not yeah. a financial advisor. <laughs> and then again, you got to look at the, the interest rates on it too. While that 0% interest is nice. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the way the payment system set up is so that you purposely fail um, and still end up accruing some interest on it. If you look at a, a credit card like Best Buy, you know, your starting interest rate is like 24%, whereas a lot of them are, you know, a lot of court, like uh, through Chase, for example, I think I have, it's 14% interest, I think is, right. is my starting interest rate on that one. Um, and I also made the mistake of getting just the Best Buy card. It's not the Best Buy Anywhere card, um, like the Costco, you can do that as well. You can sign up for the Costco card that just you use at Costco, or you can sign up for the one that you use everywhere. I got the one that you use everywhere. Whereas if like, if I had the Best Buy one everywhere, it's 3% back on gas, it's 2% back on groceries, it's 1% back on whatever else I spend, you know, versus, you know, the, and there are other benefits to, you know, institutional cards like that that are tied to a store, um, but often you're getting worse interest rates. So again, just something to keep in mind. Yep, 100%. That's all I got for that topic, man. Unless you've got something else you want to talk about, I just wanted to uh, talk about why, like I said, why you shouldn't use a debit card and try to Try to get the most benefit as the user. Um, yeah. Manage your own credit so that way you can benefit rather than letting somebody else just completely take advantage of you. No, man, that was a great topic. That's it's something that I think people don't talk about enough. That's one thing where I'm, I think, different than most people is I have never been one that's afraid to talk about finances. I'm never afraid to talk about, you know, my mental health and how I'm standing there. Um, you know, we, we'll probably end up doing a whole episode at some point here on, on, on mental health and all of that stuff. Cause I've got a ton of stories about my life and about, you know, my family and everything. Um, and I'm sure you do as well. Like there's just so much that goes into it, but you know, that's a, a heavier topic for another day. Um, but my one thing I want to talk about today while we're talking about finances is actually, we just keep rolling off of each other here, which works perfectly. I wanted to talk about some of the stupidest things that you've ever purchased. Like, what are a few things where you bought it and you were like, why the fuck did I do that? Because I have many. Hmm. It's kind of tough. Uh, I've got one good one right off the bat that just instantly came to mind. Uh, and that's when I was, uh, I was out of college, but I was getting ready for, for uh, the job that I have now. And I decided that I needed a new laptop. But because of the fact that I was kind of broke moving from, from one job into this job, I was like, oh, I'm just going to get something cheap and it's going to be great. And like, just something that's usable for me to like write word documents and everything for my work. Uh, and then I went and bought the cheapest laptop available, I think on like a black Friday or some shit that target had. And so I got an HP something fucking that nobody probably even knows a bunch of numbers, whatever, doesn't matter. Uh, but I found out after the fact that it had, I think a two gigabytes of storage, Oof. which if you don't know, is nothing. I think I ended up filling that up with PC updates within the first three months. So that computer was just a fucking brick. And I didn't really mess with computers at the time. So I didn't like want to do like my own upgrade to storage or anything like that. And honestly, on that computer, it was completely not worth it anyway. Yeah. Uh, so that was that would have been fucking stupid for me to even try. But that was one of the worst purchases I've ever made for sure. Like an instant regret on that one. It was only like 150 bucks for a laptop, which looks great at first, but it was a terrible fucking deal. Um, so that's definitely yeah. one of them for me. 
Yeah, that's definitely not a bad thing to do if you're like a parent who's getting a kid their first computer or something like that, or if it's something that you just like, if you absolutely need it um, and, and it's a cheap option and it can get you through what you need it to, um, it's not terrible. But my, one of my least favorite purchases, worst purchases of all time is also a laptop. The fucking MacBook Air that I bought was the dumbest. It's the most stupid thousand dollars that I've ever spent in my entire they life. Like 1500 bucks. No, it was, uh, mine was on sale when I got it. I want to say like with taxes and everything, it was like just under a grand. Yeah. But the MacBook Air, while it is light, that's the benefit that you get out of it. It's light. It's got worse storage. It's got worse, worse processor, worse, worse GPU. It's got worse everything. It also lacks a lot of basic features that you don't realize how nice they would be to have. Like to connect my MacBook Air to a TV, guess what? Can't do it. There's physically not an output jack on the entire device. So I can't yeah. use my MacBook when we were in college and we didn't have any way to, you know, my wife and I would be laying there and we'd have to watch a movie on this little 11 inch MacBook screen that I bought. And the thing just, it's slow. It's not the, the air, the air compared to the pro is just not a worthy purchase. I should have spent the extra $200 and bought a MacBook Pro. And I went back and looked at the specs of when I bought that to versus the, you know, the benefit that I would have gotten from it. So if I, I'll pull it up here, so I don't misquote myself, but I bought this in 2016. Air versus Pro. While you're looking that up, I will say a little bit of a devil's advocate here for the, for the MacBook Air. And that's Carly bought hers too. She also book Air that she bought. It's the late 2015 model, I believe. It's about the uh, same time I bought mine. Yeah, and she, so I, I'll caveat this by saying I hate Mac OS. So I would never buy a Mac. I just, I don't like their operating system for a for a desktop computer. I do really like it for iPhones, uh, but I, I hate their software for a, for a computer. Um, but with, with that in mind, there are definitely, and I would recommend this too. So like you mentioned, like as a parent, like if you're gonna buy a cheapo laptop, like just know that it is very, very easy to update internal storage for most things. Um, so if you want to buy a cheap laptop and then upgrade the storage so that it's usable beyond like a two gigabyte capacity, you can do that relatively cheaply. Mm -hmm. I will say, uh, laptops aren't super customizable, but uh, like a desktop would be, but you can still do things, but the Mac book air, you can't, you can't even do it on Mac. Yes, you can, which is what I'm going to talk you about. Can. So the MacBook air, uh, Carly's was full of storage, like to the point where we couldn't even do the software updates on it. It was kind of like my shitty PC, but hers was just you know, like, she had like some photos and things like that, like not much put into storage. And I think if I remember right, they have 125 gigs of storage uh, for like the base model of a MacBook Air. I could be wrong. Maybe it's like 250, but there's not much there. Uh, in fact, I, I'm pretty sure it's 125. I don't think it's 250. Uh, but anyway, so I was trying to figure out how I could keep her laptop usable because she really likes uh, the Mac OS. And so I found a way online and I could post the article on our Twitter later and I'll have to remind myself to do that. Um, but there's an adapter that they sell on Amazon that makes it so you can update with a, an M.2 drive into a MacBook Air. And I got her a terabyte drive for her laptop. And you use this adapter with the M.2 drive and it fits into the MacBook slot and you can completely update the storage on your own without having to buy an Apple specific storage that costs, I think, I think like $150 for the upgrade kits if you're actually buying it through Apple. But I got her, a and that's only like 500 gigs. And I got her a terabyte for like 60 bucks and put it in. It worked just fine with the adapter. So there is some customizability with a MacBook Air. But overall, I agree with you that I, I would never buy that computer. 
But yeah, so I, I pulled up the specs of both the MacBook Pro and the MacBook Air from the year that I bought it. The MacBook Air has a 1440 by 900 display resolution, whereas the MacBook Pro is 2560 by 1600. The storage on the, on the system, mine came default as the base model with 128 gigs, okay. whereas the Pro comes, the Pro base model is 256 gigs. Yeah. The RAM on both at the base model is eight gigabyte, but there is a 16 gigabyte version of the uh, MacBook Pro. When it comes to the processor, it's a slower processor. Mine is a 1.6 gigahertz Intel i5 um, that can be overclocked to 2.77 gigahertz or 2.7 gigahertz. Whereas the base model um, processor for the MacBook Pro is a two gigahertz Core i5, but can be upgraded to 3.1. So it, it functions faster. It's got better RAM capabilities. It's got more storage. It's got a better screen. It has the, the benefit I, I guess you can call it a benefit is that my laptop has two USB 3.0 ports, whereas I believe everything on the MacBook Pro that year was a type uh, C connector, if I'm not mistaken, which you can still just get adapters for. I have an SD card slot too, which as a non-camera guy, I don't take pictures. I don't do videography or anything like that. It means nothing to me. Um, I've got a worse charger. I've got a worse jack. I've got a worse battery. The webcam is the same. The software is the same. Well, and you know, I could have spent a couple hundred dollars more and I probably overall had a better experience, but I hate that laptop. I have it still. And it's just like, I refuse to use it. If I'm like, I'll bring, I'll probably bring it with when I come visit you guys, just so I have something like diddle around with while I'm on the plane. And that's yeah, sure. probably it. Sure. I'm trying to think of what the other, uh, some of the other ones that I, I don't like as well. And I are purchases that I regret. And I'm, there's one that's that I can 100% remember what it looked like and everything. I just can't remember what it was called. But when I was broken in high school, I couldn't afford an iPod. But like the, you know, you had to have some sort of music player. Or oh, like you weren't cool enough. And it's not it a Zune? Zune. It wasn't a Zune. So I was too cheap for a Zune. Uh, but Zune was uh, definitely like one of those shittier ones. But I can't remember. It's like I don't even know if I'll be able to come up with it at all. Uh, but there was this very was it like so those I had a, shitty ones that almost look like USB keys. No, so I had a, a friend, actually, well, I had an iPod shuffle at one point in time later on in life, nice. which was just as shitty, but I had a a friend who had a, it was like this big, uh, sorry, we're not doing video for this, but it was like two and a half inches by like two and a half inches, not a very big thing, and it, w it had a touch screen, so, which is why, like, I bought it, because it was cheap, but I was like, ooh, look at me, I have a touch screen, so I'm still fancy, um, and a friend of mine had it, that he used it, it had uh, an Was it the Kobe? No. It had an adapter so you could plug it into your car and like use it as like a touchscreen music device in your car, which is why he had it, but it wasn't good for like a portable, it was bigger than an iPhone. So like it was pretty bulky in your fucking pocket and it was probably like a half an inch to three quarters of an inch thick. So it was, it was super impractical. Uh, but I bought that thing and it, was, it had the worst fucking interface. I think it was in like a fucking beta like standpoint or something. I don't know. It was just absolutely atrocious if you wanted. And if you wanted to have like internet on it, which you could get Wi-Fi. Uh, capability on it which it worked atrociously but you had to pay like an additional 50 dollars to get fucking wi-fi and it was literally just a software turn on like it's not like you had to buy anything they just turned it off right uh in the software and that was like i think i used it for maybe one year in high school and everybody fucking made fun of me for having that thing too because i thought it was going to be like cool and whatever as a replacement for an ipod but everybody was like what the fuck is that thing do that's ridiculous um, but I, that's definitely one of my most regrettable purchases because I could have just saved probably a little bit longer and bought a fucking iPod, but 
I can tell you what my most regrettable purchases and it's the absolutely insane amount of money that I spent on shoes for over like a two year period when I worked a sales job. I spent probably $3,500 on shoes. Jesus. Buying like Yeezys and Jordans. Jesus. I, 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 I was able to sell a good amount of them and I got out of most of them. I kept the few pairs that I do like and do wear. But it's just so like I'm fully for buying things that you like, especially shoes. Um, and Yeezys, I will admit, are some of the most comfortable shoes that I have ever worn. To this day, I still love the silhouette. I still like a lot of things about them. I have two pairs that I still frequently wear. But just the prestige of what those shoes cost versus what the return I got on them. Yeah. Even though I was able to make money selling a couple pairs of them just because I did get good deals on them. Um, it's just one of those things where it's like overall in life, as I get older, I realize that I want things that actually hold a value to me. So like today I spent a hundred dollars on a squat rack. I'm going to get so much value out of that squat rack just because of what the, the physical benefits that I'm going to feel from it. Like shoes are great. Shoes are fun. Shoes are cool, but shoes are not worth spending a thousand dollars on them. And even though I was in the camp that did spend a lot of money on shoes, I'll never be that guy again. I, I, the, I, most recently I bought three pairs of shoes from target for $20 a piece. And I'm going to get as much, if not more use out of those three pairs of shoes than I did on any of the hype beast streetwear shoes that I got. Carly would probably love to chime in on this conversation for me, honestly, because I, I'm one of those people that says I'm going to buy something and then I'll stare at it for like five days, put it in my cart for like three months and I'll never buy it. I just, I don't buy things I'm not an impulse buyer at all. I rarely mm. buy things for myself. I'm still wearing clothes that I wore in high school. Uh, like I just, I don't go out and buy th- other than video games. Like the m- most money that I've ever spent on anything in my entire life, other than like a car or house was, vi- it's probably video games, but I've never regretted any of those purchases. That PC that I built for me for my work trip, uh, like my HTP, uh, HTPC, I, I kind of regretted that one just a little bit, but I ended up selling that and I didn't lose any money on it. So it's not like I had a major regret there. Uh, and then I, I bought my laptop to replace that, which I, I love my laptop. Um, but there's very rarely do I buy something just on an impulse that I end up regretting. Like I usually get pretty good use out of things that I pay for. So I, I definitely have some cars that I've regretted purchasing over the same, years. Same. Um, I, I loved having cars, different cars in high school. Plus I had a, I had a 1996 Z28 Camaro. And I would store that in the winter when I was in Iowa and I'd buy some shitty fucking car to replace it just for the winter. And I beat her with a heater. Some of those. Yeah. So um, overall though, not, not too many things that I regret buying. Yeah, man, we could do a whole episode on, we probably, that's an episode topic. Now we're going to talk about our different cars that we've owned. Yeah. Um, But man, I will never buy a base model car again. I will never go back to not having features in my car. Yeah. So that's, that's a little bit of a, um, like a first world problem, I guess is for it is. it's hundred percent of first so world like problem. You, for those that can't afford anything better, there's nothing wrong with the base model car. Correct. And like hundred percent correct. For but, at the time, with what the money that I was spending on those cars, it makes sense and it was worth it. Like I was spending a couple hundred bucks a month on the payment of one of them, and the lease on the other one I think was like one eighty maybe. So like it's super affordable, and there's definitely like if you just need a car, but as as an adult now you know, I go, I don't like to fly places. If I don't have to, my wife and I like going on road trips and stuff as well. Like if I'm going to be in the car for hours at a time for whether it's a work trip, whether it's a personal trip, whether it's a, 
um, you know, anything, I'd rather have some of these features in my car. Um, especially living in Illinois with the winters, I like having heated seats. I very much like having a heated steering wheel, yeah. heated, even little things like heated mirrors. I don't have to scrape my mirrors off. They just get real hot real quick and all the ice falls off of them. Like yeah. little things like that. It's great to have But again, it's all a matter of, I have the means to have that on my car. When I didn't have the means to have that on my car, I did not need it. Yeah, dude, I, I feel that for sure. I, I was just trying to, you know, make the point where it's like luxuries are great, but not everybody can have them. But um, yeah, other than that, I'm trying to think and I, I'm not coming up with anything big. And I, I'm sure Carly would probably have some stuff that she'd be like, dude, do you remember when you bought that? Like you, that was such a waste of money, but I, I have a terrible memory in general. So I can't remember anything that I, was, I just absolutely, uh, you know, was mad at myself for buying. I'm trying to like look around and like see if I've, you know, right, like missed something. That's the like one nice thing about like this room is like, I have a lot of shit in this room but I didn't really spend a lot of money on any of it. Like if you were, if you're on a video podcast, if you watch our videos at all, you see like two liquor cabinets behind me. I didn't pay for, I, I paid 60 bucks for the one. The other one we got for free off of Facebook marketplace. I've got a weight bench behind me right now. My family friend of my dad's bought that in the nineties. And we just, we still have it today. Like, you know, there's, there's definitely like a lot better ways to get a lot of things than the routes that us, Americans choose to go. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, people don't reuse things nearly enough. And I'm one of those people like I like to buy new, which is why I never buy anything because I'm like, oh, I want to buy that. It's new. And then I'm like, nah, I don't really want to pay that much money for it. So never yep. mind. And I just don't do it. But yeah, I think that's what I don't know. You got anything else for that? Because I don't I don't think I have anything. Oh, I could probably go on for I per currently think the graphics card that I bought for my computer is stupid. <clears throat> I should have just bought like a 2080 Ti and just splurge. Uh, I guess that's a good one for me. I had a buyer's remorse on a 1660 Ti that I bought for my original PC, but then I ended up selling that with my HDPC. So I got my money back out of that. I was going to say you very quickly bought a 2060 after that. Yeah, which I don't regret at all. I love my 2060. It's fine. I wish I had one that was a little <laughs> bit better. But yeah, like overall, I really don't have too many things big that I regret. There's little like my, okay, actually, no, I, I have a very valid point to make here. My biggest spending regret of my entire life is the sheer amount of money that I have spent at fast food and dining establishments because I have spent so much money and get so little benefit out of it, especially now where I like having like lost a bunch of weight. A lot of my weight gain was due to the fact that because I was working a lot, I would just be on the road and I would, I would eat out for breakfast. I would eat out for lunch and I would eat out for dinner. And yeah. I would use the excuse of then my company was paying for it. Well, now that they're not paying for it, I see no benefit to eating at those restaurants because I've learned how to cook and I, I can make just as good of food at, as any restaurant that I've ever been to, except maybe Fogo de Chao. Those steaks, Bold are fucking, statement. those steaks are delicious, but like, I, I'm a plain eater. You got to realize that. So like, Same, man. I don't like, I don't go out of my way for anything crazy. Like if I get most restaurants I go to, I get their chicken sandwich or I get a burger. And I refuse to pay steakhouse prices for restaurants or restaurant prices for steaks. Right. Yeah. I, when I go out to restaurants, why spend $3 on, you know, a soda or anything like that? Like I used to do all the time getting dessert at a restaurant. I can go to jewel or my local grocery store and I could buy a whole cheesecake for the same price that I pay for one price, one piece of cheesecake. Like 
I, I, I've slowly been learning that like I should spend this money on more important things as opposed to while it's fun to go on date nights, I don't need to be spending $100 for my wife and I to go out to dinner. I hate cooking. I love food. So I will never regret a purchase that I made on food. Even like bad food that I've had, like I don't, I don't try new things very often. I kind of like find the thing that I like somewhere and just never go away from it. Yeah. yeah. But every once in a while I'll get experimental with food. And I, even if I don't like it, I don't really regret those purchases. Like I'm, I tried something new and maybe I, I found a new favorite, you know, I went back back into the, the math and the amount of money I spent at Chipotle from like 2015 to 2019. I fucking like Chipotle. And it was disgusting. But anyways, let's wrap up here uh, with your next topic. All right. I am staying in the finance world because let's I go. had two topics on my list that I wanted to dabble into. And I think this is another one where if somebody would have told me to do this when I was young, I might've scoffed it off a little bit, just like the credit card thing. And dude, like, I hate like the, the cliche of like, you're going to regret that. You're going to wish you would have listened to me, those types of things, you know, but it's dude, always right. People with experience, like in life as a whole, generally aren't giving you shitty advice. Like uh, obviously there's yeah. people out there that you shouldn't take their advice. People are fucking idiots sometimes. But with that being said, I think for the most part, like, especially like, well, hopefully your parents are like, you know, close friends or like teachers or, you know, somebody, there's somebody in your life has to be, have the experience relevant enough to give you good advice. Um, and with that, I would just fucking kill for somebody to have like punched me in the face when I was in high school and said, dude, invest some of the money that you're making into the stock market. Yep. And because of that, I want to kind of talk about uh, entering the stock market as somebody that's new uh, because it can be very intimidating. And I will say that I didn't get into the stock market until 2019. No, 2020. I got into the stock market in 20. It's been a year, a little over a year that I've been trading in the stock market. Uh, and part of my reservation there leading up to that was I I was too scared to do it because I think the stock market is just intimidating. And I was like, oh, I'm going to lose all my money. I'm afraid. Uh, and because of that, I just, I wouldn't pull a trigger. And so we talked about it several times as a couple of how we should just pay somebody to do our finances and everybody. So I've met with two financial advisors now separately. Plus I've talked to a third one via like email on the phone. So I've talked to three financial advisors and all of them to me were terrible fucking people. Like I could tell that their intent was bad just from the get go. Like they, I fucking hate financial advisors just because of the few experiences that I've had that were just miserable. Mm -hmm. And they're very, they are very uh, pressuring. Uh, I was trying to think of a better word there, but like they're, they put a lot of pressure on you to make a decision to invest. Uh, Like the first time I talked to a financial advisor, I was just like, Hey, uh, I'm going to talk to my dad and I'm going to talk to a couple other people, maybe get a second opinion from a different financial advisor before I, I commit to you. And he was like, if you don't invest now, you're in like, just like started going at me. And I think he sent me an email that I probably still have of just like coming at me about how I was making such a wrong decision by not choosing to give him my money. And he wanted like 60% of my paycheck every fucking month just to start investing. I'm like, dude, fuck you. Like I'm not, I don't make that much money. Like I yeah. make enough to survive, but I don't make that much money that I have 60% disposable income. Um, and I will say that um, I didn't have a budget built, which he wanted me to like come uh, to his office with a budget. And like, I'd never, I've never budgeted in my entire life. I just try to save as much as I can. I don't like budget out my daily purchases, but also I'm not an impulse spender. So it kind of works out. But um, I told, or I gave him a bunch of what I thought I was spending in that visit. And he was like, oh yeah, well, based on that, you can give me 60%. I'm like, go fuck yourself, dude. Yeah. Uh, but I'm talking a lot about other topics without getting to the topic that I really wanted to talk about. And that's entering the stock market as a, as a newcomer, right? And so uh, I had a, a, a good friend of mine uh, who I was on a work trip with and he was like, hey man, uh, kind of like the same conversation that I'm having with the audience now about like, 
why are you using a debit card conversation, right? He was like, why are you putting your money into a savings account? Uh, and with that being said, your savings account is still important. Like you should have, uh, there's a lot of different recommendations out there about like what, uh, how many months of salary you should have saved just in case something goes wrong, right? I think I think I hear a lot like three months salary, like or a couple months salary, right? Just to buy yourself time, like if you lose your job mm, or something right. or have some sort of incidental expense. So I think it's important to have that. Um, but he was like, dude, what are you, what, what are you benefiting from your, sa your savings account? I'm like, Ooh, I don't know. He's like, do you even know what your interest rate is on your savings account? And I was like, no, I don't have a clue, man. It's just a savings account to me. Like I just, I'm saving my own money, not like gaining anything. He's like, dude, you are missing out on so much income, yeah. uh, from investing. And I was like, well, dude, like, I'm just, I don't know, even know how to invest. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know who I would even invest in. He's like, uh, and the best advice he gave me, and again, I'm not a financial advisor, so I'm gonna have to say that 5,000 times in this episode, but he was like, dude, just invest in something that you believe in, like find a company that you believe in mm -hmm. and invest in it. And at the time I was, it was, this is when I was really getting into computers and I'm a big AMD fan. And I was like, oh, well, AMD trades on the stock market. Maybe I should create an account and invest some money in AMD. Um, and that's what I ended up doing. That was my first stock purchase, which has made me quite a bit of money. Uh, yeah. We, we both talked about it when, when we, we both bought in, I bought in a little bit before you. Um, but it was around that time, but yeah, man, that, that was, that's been a great purchase for us. Yeah. I just, I remember when I was building my first PC and I was talking about this and I saw the roadmap, uh, for AMD moving forward and AMD has always kind of been the underdog to Intel, but I remember seeing that roadmap and thinking, wow, like this is impressive. And I, I really like Lisa Sue as a CEO. Uh, and so it was all those, that background knowledge that, that drove me to make that first initial investment. But uh, to keep it more simplistic in terms of just for the audience, uh, I use E-Trade as my trading account. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people use Robinhood or whatever, but the, the point is, is that there's a ton of options out there that don't cost you. Like it doesn't cost me any money yeah. to actually uh, get these, um, to get, to get a trading account. And the way that, um, these trade accounts make money is kind of shady sometimes like Robinhood or whatever, right? Like they're competing to, to get, to buy that stock for you. So the price that you're seeing listed to pay for a stock on a trading site might be more than what it actually costs to get the stock. But then there's like a fee built in for like a transaction yep. fee, essentially that's not necessarily transparent to you. Uh, so it's, it can be a little shady, but with that being said, like you're still like, it's very, very easy to open a trade account. Uh, the, the, what I would recommend doing uh, before you start actively trading, though, is find somebody that you know that is already trading that can show you the interface. Uh, or do if you don't have anybody that inter invests, you can go to YouTube and look up some of the tutorials on it, or even some of the trade accounts like E-Trade. You can do uh, learning on their site where they'll walk you through how to use the uh, the app or the website or whatever, and they'll, they'll talk to you and you can you can educate yourself a lot on these sites. Uh, TD Ameritrade I think has some great lessons on how to invest as well uh, if you wanted to use their site. Uh, but it's very, very easy. I think it took me three minutes to set up my account completely. Uh, and they have to check your financials and then you tie it to your bank account or whatever to be able to transfer money. But now uh, I, I transfer money over on a, on a monthly basis, on a monthly basis uh, to save money on top of what I'm already doing through like my 401k through work. But um, I do just a, a chunk of money and then I, I like to invest in things that I believe in. And I've been successful in doing that so far. I've gotten a little more speculative on some things just because I'm a little bit more experienced now after a year mm -hmm. and kind of know what I'm doing. Uh, not really, nobody can predict the market, but um, I've, I've made some, uh, some uh, investments in some places that I, I'm not as familiar with, but I have made me money as well. But uh, talk about your experience too. And I know you're, you haven't been investing like your entire life and I'm sure you wish somebody would have punched you in the face too when you were younger and said, dude, th save some of this money, but. Well, so I actually, um, I personally haven't been investing 
that long either. I the I I first what I consider me investing. I started that in probably 20 late 2018. It's probably yeah. about the time that I started it when I got my first like big kid job. Um, even though I had a job in college that mathematically would have paid me more than my current job, but that's a different story for a whole nother day. Um, but I also, um, when I worked at that previous job, uh, I started a 401k. Um, so they matched up to, I believe it was like 7% of my annual a lot. income per year. So I've maxed that out. Um, and it was through the financial institution that my family actually already like had stuff set up with. So I just set it up through my dad's guy, um, essentially. And so I don't, I, it's a guy that we trust a guy that we know, um, has good intentions. So, you know, he's in charge of that. I, I match it. I put a certain amount towards it each month. I have matching that I go to it, but a lot, but a lot of what Kyle said is correct is like, there are a lot of people who are in the industry because of how much money you can make in the industry. And then there are good people in the industry. A lot of it is finding the right people and, you know, finding a mentor or even just, if not a financial advisor, a mentor that you trust to help you along with, with this decision-making process. But people extremely underestimate the importance of saving money. I think millennials are starting to come around on it more um, than previous generations um, and getting into the market at a younger age and getting more invested in investing early on. Um, but you have to be cognizant of where you're getting your advice. You can't just be taking, while like the Reddit stuff was fun, you know, GameStop, all of that, Nokia, all of that was fun. It was super great. It was amazing to see a lot of people make a lot of money by beating the system and, you know, beating the financial institutions in that way. That's not always going to work. And if I were to take every random stock tip that I found on Reddit, I'd be broke. I'd be so broke that you wouldn't see me on this podcast because I couldn't afford a computer or a webcam or a microphone. Even I'd be, if I were on a podcast, I'd be recording on my cell phone. Like you know, there's a lot of bad advice out there and a lot of investing is sifting through that. And that's stuff that you do definitely learn as, as it goes on. Um, but when I got into investing, uh, it was originally through Robinhood. Um, you know, I'd always seen the advertisements for like, sign up now and get your free stock. Yep. I did. My free stock was fucking like GoPro. It was like $4. I, I wait, I just held it. And then it went up to like eight at one point, I think. And I sold it. I was like, I'll just take my couple dollar profit, go to Starbucks. Like, um, you know, and when you're investing in small amounts like that, that's a that's another way that I would recommend probably getting started is with smaller financial commitments. And that's where some of those trading services do benefit is you can trade partial stocks. Um, so you could buy like like through Robinhood, like you can buy half shares. You can buy I think the minute the smallest amount of a share that you can buy is around ten percent. Don't quote me on that. Um, not a financial advisor anyway. Um, but you can buy like partial amounts of stock, and you can see the benefit of you know. Of different things. And there's so many things you have to learn about when it comes to investing as well. You have to learn, learn about dividends and which stocks mm -hmm. pay dividends and which ones yep. don't. You have to learn about, um, you know, when stock splits happen. Like I was, yep. I, I know so many people who knew nothing about stock splitting and yep. knew nothing about the stock market that were yeah, freaking absolutely. out when their Tesla stock was going to be cut in, cut into a quarter. I was like, you have the same value. It's they're splitting the number of shares that you have up you still have the same amount dollar wise of Tesla. And yep. now you have four stocks of it. So when it goes up, you, you increase with multiple stocks and it, 
that can increase your flexibility and what you do with your portfolio. Like there's so much to learn about the market. You just have to be very conscientious of what's going on. You, uh, we've seen people lose everything in the stock market. And that's what we, Kyle and I definitely don't want people to go out there and do that. We want to make sure that those who do go into the stock market are educated. That's something that we've, we've talked about religiously on this podcast. Yeah. Like when you're making a decision, be educated about it. So whether that's when we talked about getting vaccinated, whether we talk about credit cards, when that's talking about this kind of thing, you know, mm -hmm. when it comes to health, when it comes to wellness, when it comes to financial health and wellness, like there's so much out there, there's so much bad information out there, but there is a lot of good information. It's all about making sure that you put in the effort to find the right information. Yeah, I just, I, I can't stress that enough what he just said. And I'll, I'll hit on that too. Educate yourself. Um, the meme stock, um, you know, market or whatever that happened, like I didn't, I didn't invest in any meme stocks because you never know what the market's going to do. And so it's just really hard to predict. And I, I, I would encourage you to, at least in the beginning, invest in things that you believe in and things that you know. Um, and I wouldn't, I would, uh, I'm not, because I'm not a financial advisor, I won't try to give financial advice, but I would just say invest in things that you believe in and educate yourself. Like Jake said, there's, there's a lot of work to be done to educate on how you can, how you do certain things in the market. Like, options are huge uh, mm -hmm. on Reddit and a lot of different things. But if you don't understand options and how they work, don't buy options on things. Um, well, and you even hear people with like millions and millions of dollars who are doing this for fun, like certain influencers who, you know, have, have kind of made it, a, I don't want to call it a meme, but they made it like a thing to be a trader, you know, to day trade. And you see them like, on live stream, they mess up their call options and they, they buy when they mean to sell and they sell when they mean to buy. And, you know, like just little mistakes like that, you know, can cause huge fluctuations in your income and, and your, your stability. And yeah, that's, that's, I think the key to investing is stability. While there is a, there is a benefit to being aggressive in the stock market, you can make a lot of money that way. Most people, including myself, typically benefit more again, not a financial advisor, from taking a more conservative approach to it. Don't jump into the stock market with every penny that you have, throwing it at GameStop because it's going to the moon. Like, don't throw every penny that you have in Dogecoin. Like, uh, diversifying is a thing that we hear a lot. Diversify your investments, be in different markets, be, you know, if you like crypto, if you believe in crypto and invest in crypto, invest in regular money, but just be smart talk to the right people and make sure that you are not screwing yourself over. I wouldn't try to discourage anybody from inv investing in crypto. Um, I, I think it's hard to wrap your head around crypto. Um, especially, I don't know. It's, it's because you're not holding physically like money in your hand. It's, it's difficult to understand what crypto is. And I won't even try to explain it because I don't fully understand it. Uh, I talked to a lot of people before I did invest a little bit into crypto I talked to a lot of people that did a lot of research before I made some of those decisions because I just didn't understand the market necessarily. Um, so that, yeah, do your research. Uh, the one thing that I would recommend um, for somebody that might be nervous to get into the stock market um, is get a paper trading account. Uh, and if you don't know what that is, it's literally just stock market simulated. So what you do is um, you buy and sell stocks um, in a simulator essentially, but it's actually utilizing the, the real world numbers of the yep. market. So it's, it's monitoring stock prices. It's just not, you're not actually buying stock. It's just a simulator. So that's, that's what we did in high school. We did it as 
um, in that economics class that I was talking about earlier on this episode, that's how we learned about trading and selling, you know, buying, selling, trading stocks was we used that simulator. I don't know if it was that simulator or another simulator that did the same thing, but we had an account with X amount of money and it was like a competition in the class to see who could like invest the yeah. best. Um, after we learned about it, I won by putting every single penny that we had into penny stocks, but that's not a good idea. Don't do that. Um, but in the simulations case, it, it made us $500,000 in a matter of minutes um, and we won. But you know, using that, like you can manipulate the trend or not manipulate the trends, but you can see how trend manipulation happens. You can learn more about, about dips and, you know, you hear stuff about the, the volatility of the stock market. If you're actually into like, you know, uh, if you have like a Forex account, if you have, you know, Forex trading, if you have experience, like looking at the dips and projections and all of that, even when our stock market was at the lowest during COVID, it was at the lowest projection as well. We weren't actually like those who were prepared for the dips that were going to happen due to COVID, this was a projection that was done before COVID that the stock market was going to dip to potentially about that level. So you can learn about projection, you know, the projections, regression analysis, there's, you know, a ton of different things that you can do to learn about it. And you can get super deep into it, or you can be base level traders like I am. Like I don't, I'm not a day trader. I'm not every day going out and buying stocks. If I, if I see something that I like, I purchase some of it and I hold it. I, I, you know, I long most of my stocks. I've definitely shorted some stocks in my day to make some money here and there. But, you know, there's, again, it's, it's different strategies. You know, we could talk about the same kind of things for fantasy football. There's projections, there's mm -hmm. different strategies, there's different routes and different styles of fantasy and trading and all this fun shit. Like you can do a lot with it, but you have to be smart with it. And that's, I think ultimately the key, I think one big thing, like if I could give one piece of advice, it's don't take your financial information from one source. Get multiple sources that you trust, talk to multiple people, even if that's going like Kyle did, like going to multiple financial advisors, even if you find out that you don't like any of them, at least you're getting some idea of what their process is and why they're doing what they're doing. And maybe you can learn a little bit off that. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, the education piece is huge, but also um, like, don't ever, don't panic in the market either is like my biggest piece of advice that I would say in addition to the education. Yes. So buy something that you you're interested in or that you believe in buy some shares of those companies. But if you see like a sudden dip in the market and the reason that I would say like, don't try to be a day trader at first either. Don't try to like yeah. hit the highs and lows, just buy something you believe in and, and set it and forget it kind of um, not necessarily over the, the long term, but like, you know, for the midterm, just buy things that you believe in and let them let it ride a little bit because what you're going to see is normally like, Right. Like, so a bank account is going to give you like 0. 0.0 something percent interest. But even if you like buy something that you believe in and the company does even moderately well, right. And their stock goes up a little bit, like you could make 10% and that's still huge. Like that's way better than you're doing just in a savings account. So don't panic, let things um, play out a little bit. Um, unless, you know, like a company goes bankrupt overnight that you thought you believed in, but um, yeah. you know, just just uh, you don't, the, the funny thing, and like people say this all the time, but like you don't, you can't lose unless you sell um, is kind of like the mantra, right? Like you, I, I never actually lost my money unless I sold the stock less than I bought it for. So if, yeah. you, if you wait it out, you can, you can gain that money back or, it, and then some, yeah. To, to wrap up Kyle's point here, um, which is that, you know, you, you can make, you can make more money off of the stock market than you do just sitting in a 0.5% savings account at your local You're not bank. You're going to even find a 0.5. Yeah, I did, but that's a different story. Um, but like the NASDAQ stock market, the lowest, the lowest stock index on that market has increased by 2.23%. 
the New York Stock Exchange Composite Index has increased by 11.67%. Even if you're not investing in you know, large amounts there, if I have $500 that I invest in the stock market and I get 10% return on it, that's better. That's the same essentially as if I had $1,000 in my savings account and was getting 10% return on it. And if you can find a savings account with 10% return on it, you're in a Ponzi scheme. Get out. No shit. Yeah. But like there's money to be made. Just be smart about it. Make smart financial decisions. Don't put all your money in Dogecoin. Don't put all your money in one, in one spot either. You know, be intelligent about the money that you are spending and saving. So I just looked it up and I was wrong. They have gone back up now. So you can get a 0.5.4% interest account now um, through most places, but still that's like, that's nothing. Yeah. We're making nothing on your bank account. Yeah. I think there was a time when like 5% was normal in savings accounts. Like when our parents were kids, you know, probably more than that. And then like, even in my, uh, the last couple of years when I was looking into this, I think 2.4% was like doable. Uh, and then COVID really just tanked everything for the most part in terms of these savings accounts. But it's just, it's absurd. Like you should not be putting your money into an account that's not paying you back. Yeah. Don't give people your money if they're not giving you something in return. But again, don't put all of your money in the stock market. True. Don't do that either. Not financial advisors. Nope. Not financial advisors. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, a, honestly, that's probably a good wrap to everything that I had to say about this. I think there's my, my biggest thing, like kind of like, like, again, like I've probably said this a million times in this podcast too, but like the bottom line for me is that there are so many things that I wish people would have told me when I was a kid and growing up and like, especially as I was starting to work like at an actual tax paying job and not just mowing people's lawns or whatever, you know, like it's, you need to, you need to do the research to find out the things that are going to benefit you the most and things are like, you know, using a credit card rather than a debit card for me personally, and then getting into the stock market earlier rather than later. And, um, all these different things that I wish people would have convinced me were, were real. And it's so hard when you're young too, especially like as you're just getting into the job market as like somebody that might be like 16, 17 years old or whatever, maybe a little younger, a little older. Uh, but it's so hard for you not to see that paycheck hit your account and go, man, I'm just going to spend this. It's very, it's very hard. Uh, but what I would recommend uh, potentially as a non-financial advisor is just set up an auto deposit into like, uh, like a stock market account, right? Like, so say you, you get a hundred dollars a week or something like that. I don't even know, like as a young person, take $10 of that and just put it into the stock market. Keep 90 yeah. for yourself. Spend it on whatever the fuck you want. Take $10 of it and just put it into a savings or into either a high interest savings account, if you can find a good one or the stock market, um, whatever you're comfortable with, but just, just do something to start saving young. Cause it's going to benefit in the long time. Yeah, man. It doesn't have to be everything. You don't have to be, you know, buying Tesla stock and all of this other stuff, but you should, if you can, um, not a financial advisor. Um, <laughs> But, you know, just be smart about every decision that you make. You know, we've, we like to think, we like to live our lives in the moment. Um, and that's something that Kyle and I both definitely do appreciate it. Um, you know, we do appreciate the moments that we do have on this earth, but you do have to future-proof your life a little bit if you're planning on Absolutely. living a long time. So, Social security, if you didn't know, is not a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Set yourself up for retirement, friend, ladies and gentlemen. That's a great way to wrap up this episode, I think. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Two Average Husbands. As always, make sure you follow us on social media, myself on Twitter at JakePerry34, Kyle on Twitter at, Twitter, at Kyle and her son, um, phonetically, as it sounds. Um, right, yeah. you know, we appreciate you guys checking us out, but I'll let, uh, I'll let Kyle wrap us up this week. Yeah, you hit on most of it there for me. Thanks again for tuning in, guys. This is a kind of a bonus content episode we did in the addition to the um, to the live reaction to the first round of the NFL draft. So if you want to check that out now that the draft's over, uh, if you didn't watch with us live, go ahead and check that out. It is a beast of a freaking episode at like four and a half hours four long and a half or whatever. Hours. 
Um, so yeah, you can take that in bits and pieces as you choose uh, and join us for some beers there. Uh, I was around for the first half of the first round and then I dipped out, but Jake kept uh, one of our friends Ben on there to keep talking to him throughout the rest of the episode too. So there's, there's some good content still in there. Uh, and then again, to uh, outside of just our personal accounts, continue to follow us on social media for the Two Average Husbands account. It's number two ABG Husbands on Twitter and on Instagram, uh, as well as uh, I think Jake's been throwing it out on Facebook a lot too. We don't have an official Facebook account, um, but you can well, check us out I'll there. Make one here. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. We can create one of those as well. Um, and then we are also available on uh, iTunes and Spotify um, for your listening pleasure, uh, just for the audio if you don't want the video on YouTube. But yeah, that's all I got. Thanks again for listening in, guys. That's another episode of Two Average Husbands. Peace. Peace.